I'm WFAE's David Borax, and this is R&D in the QC. Tarek Bakari and Larkin Eggleston, one Republican and one Democrat who bonded as first-term Charlotte City Council members. Somehow, they both got re-elected, and now we're stuck listening to another season of this amateur hour bullshit. In the first 82 episodes, they talked to a governor, a senator, presidential candidates, and even a journalist or two. Their goal again this season, bringing Charlotte listeners behind the scenes of the city council in one of America's fastest-growing cities. I won't be listening, but for some reason, you are. Now we should be ready to go live here. So as soon as you see it on Facebook, you can go. All right, I'm going to click live. And oh, I didn't set it to public. Oh, I saw it first. I saw it before I did it. Oof, it's been a while since we've done this. All right, episode 108, R&D in the QC. We are back. It has been six weeks since we've done a podcast. And I think somewhere a couple episodes back, we had made a commitment to our loyal listeners um, and people who just hate listen our podcast that we would be more frequent. We have let them down. What happened, Larkin? Well, the holidays. You mean Christmas? <laughs> no, all of them. All of the holidays. I celebrate all of the holidays. You do. Uh, so I was busy with all of those holidays. We had a couple of weeks where we didn't have a council meeting. Uh, so kind of a slow news month. We made a promise, though, and we didn't keep it. So we're back now at the beginning of the year with a more regular council schedule. So I think that um, we should be able to... You know, it was just it was different when we were at the government center. We could and we just were committed to going upstairs and knocking it out, no matter how tired we were, how annoyed we were. We would do it in the moment. Um, and there really wasn't, I mean, clearly at the end of a council meeting, we didn't have any other obligation other than to like come home and go to sleep. Uh, so we just did it. It's it's harder when we have to it shouldn't be harder. In fact, it should be easier because we just have to click another link and jump on here. But there's something about having that specific time that you know you're going to do it, yeah. you're committed to it. It's just like working out. At least that's what I hear. Uh, if you have a committed time. Oh, when I used to work out, I, you know, Saturday you go play basketball and you're just committed to it and you hold each other accountable. And then when it's up to you to do it on your own, you go several years without I think there's out. some angle, though, that, you know, we are um, – we're just so exhausted at the end of every council session we have that we're like, we're like, Hey, do you feel like doing it? Is it okay if we skip? Yeah. Okay. And then we just kind of like, so that I think there's multiple factors at play. Yeah, but we were exhausted back then. So I don't know if that excuse flies. True. Anyway. Um, well, there has been, uh, if only as, if only because it's been so long, there's been a number of things that we'll need to cover. Um, including this week we had our two-day annual strategy retreat, which would typically be in Raleigh uh, this year so that we could um, spend some time with our legislative delegation. Um, Did you like that better or worse, staying in town versus I liked going? It. It, it was worse. Um, and we'll talk about that. But we, you know, our the legislature went back into session on Wednesday. Um, we've got a couple of new members. It would have been great to spend time with, with the ones we'd know better and, and the ones we need to get to know better um like we did two years ago we were unable to do that so we just were here some of us in the government center very spaced out in a large conference room some of uh, folks were patched in virtually um so we had that 
Um, one of our colleagues announced at the very beginning of it that they were stepping down from city council effective almost immediately upon their announcement. Uh, so we are now a 10 member council for the time being for at least a couple of weeks. We'll talk about that. Um, but first, something that has obviously been the dominant news story of the last, well, certainly the last two weeks, but, um, but even since the election, and we did obviously kind of recap the election, but um, the, all of the turmoil between the election, um, between the Electoral College and Congress certifying the vote, uh, and obviously the, the biggest part of that news story is the chaos at the Capitol. Um, and so we'll start with that. I know you've gotten a lot of criticism for not addressing it. Um, I think a lot of us don't know what to say. I mean, I, I, clearly, I think there's agreement. If there's agreement on nothing else, there's agreement that, um, that what happened there was, was inappropriate. But I, you know, I think that while I and, and many Democrats have certainly aimed the blame squarely at the president for, um, for inciting a lot of this and for fanning the flames of this um, and then really not seeming to be apologetic about it. There has been a lot of criticism of Republicans, even some who have said this was inappropriate for not placing that blame where a lot of us believe it belongs and that's on Donald Trump. Um, so I know it's something that you wanted to address obviously it's something that we don't agree on entirely although I think we do agree um, that what we saw last week was um, horrific yeah I mean it's you know I, uh, clearly like I, I've never felt so popular as it relates to people like why aren't you speaking out about something and I mean the, the fact of the matter is you know I weigh and I've and I've changed. I've become a different person over the last years experience year experience that I've had here of, you know, I'm I'm more cautious these days in what I weigh into. No, no matter regardless of my position, you know, I ask myself, you know, does something need to be said? And am I the person that needs to say it right now? And you know, it's everyone has a different opinion depending on what the event is like, yes, you should speak up or this is the one, but until like you weigh in the implications to your family and what comes along with that, you have to stand in someone's shoes for a little bit before you can critique what they do or don't decide to talk about. So I figured as much as I still want to only focus on local stuff and not comment on this, which has by and large been our policy for, the three years and the 108 episodes that we've run this, this is the best forum I can get where it's bipartisan. We're talking across the aisle. We're friends. So it's somewhat of a safe place and it's not soundbite based where we can have a dialogue about it. So and we've never ignored national issues, but I think part of our calculus when we started this podcast was if people want commentary on what's going on in Washington, DC, they've got a lot of options. A lot. Um, and what we'd identified as the gap was if people wanted commentary on what was going on at a local level um, or even a state level to some degree, there's, there's less options for them and, and certainly less um, bipartisan options. So we've always wanted to be locally yeah. focused. I think this is something that's big enough. It, it can't be ignored. And, um, and I know there's a couple of points you want to touch on. Yeah. Uh, I feel certain I'll push back on, on some of that, I'm but sure. um, there's no doubt. Also we'll, we'll note that you have spoken in the last week or two um, with representative Mark Walker um, for more of the, I believe he's Greensboro area um, member of the United States house. Uh, he has agreed to come on the podcast in the near future. So we're hoping to have him on the next couple of weeks. And I think that'll offer a unique perspective 
Um, so we will open this this can of worms back up a little bit to talk to him about it when we have him on the show. And I'm sure uh, the rest of the people running uh, that will announce soon for 2022 Senate will also want to join. They'll certainly be offered uh, the opportunity well, to come. All to of them. the ones who've been rumored just about have been on our show before. That's a great Laura point. Laura Trump's been on our show. Pat McCrory's been on our show. Um, but anyway, so we'll talk to Representative Walker uh, about the experience of being at the Capitol, um, of, of taking that vote, and of, of what it was like up close and personal. So let's let's have a let's have a let's have a dialogue for this first segment. And what I what I, I've thought a lot about this. It just I'm disturbed every night as I learn and see more and I and I dive into the details. But I've thought a lot about it, and I think we need to have a four part conversation, right? I think we we in progression order. Let's talk quickly about the election itself, right? Then let's move into the riot at the Capitol. Then I wanted to kind of just evolve into the more macro le level of a double standard that concerns me. And then finally, this whole conversation about big tech. And then let's end it with, what do we think the go forward solution is, at least as best as we can understand it. So short so answer on go forward solution, Joe Biden. Thanks. Let's get there when we get there. Okay. Um, so the election itself. So I'll just start with kind of, here's my cliff notes, and then you can respond and, and we'll argue from there. So let's start real simple. Joe Biden was elected president. I think, we, I think that's probably, that. the, the, probably the simplest place to start, right? Um, I personally, on a personal level, believe that there was and is fraud, right? It's likely been happening for a long time. But I, I kind of, I would describe that at the next layer down of detail a little differently than, than maybe some of the others that we've seen portrayed in the news of late. And I think the best By, way- Bipartisan fraud? Well, we'll be the judge of that. I think that's a, that's a question. Yeah, it happens everywhere. But is it, is it skewed more towards one or the other side is the debate you have to have. Here's the best way I can explain it in simple terms. Like, I, I go back to Bladen County, right? All the fun we had during that Dan, phase. Dan McCready, Mark Harris, congressional yep. race, the ninth so, congressional district. So McCray Dallas, right? McCray Dallas is this character who was, if you don't recall, I, I guess it's, it feels like a long time ago. It wasn't Someone's going to make ago. a movie about that guy. Uh, please, yeah. He, th this, this terrible person was in the business of absentee ballot harvesting, right? And he would, it was real simple. He, through his network of grassroots people, made a business that he monetized through campaigns that Mark Harris ended up um, um, engaging and paying him for, that he went out and he would illegally get people to um, fill out the ballots. Everything from getting them to do it without the signature all the way to the claims of them signing it and him saying, oh, I'll fill in who you voted for later. Like, that's illegal. Like, pretty, pretty hard and fast. There's no doubt about it. Now, if you think about Mark Harris, the, uh, about McCray Dallas, though, like the people on the ground floor in, in Bladen County had been arguing and crying for help about fraud in their election system for years. This didn't just start then. And it took literally, finally, a ripcord being pulled, all the media paying attention to it, and ultimately a trial that was the unbelievable scenario where finally this dude gets convicted and he's the bad guy. And that is important because it goes from allegations of fraud to fraud, right? So the fact of the matter is this, 
McCray Dallas didn't just start doing this last year. McCray Dallas did this for Republicans for a couple of years. And for many years before that, he did it for Democrats, right? So for the last two decades that he's controlled that county in this practice, this illegal practice, if anyone in that time had said that was fraudulent, you could rightly in the same way that we've seen today say, no, that's your claim. That's your allegation. There's no proven widespread fraud here. Yet when it finally got proven with the act of God it took to do so, right? I think that a, a, an entire election was thrown out for that one thing. It is my opinion that across this country, there are thousands of McCray Dallases that are unfound out. And some of them are all the way at his level. That's clearly illegal. Here, do sign this and I'll put the person I like in it. Some of them simply go with buses to homeless people and others and say, I'll buy you a chicken sandwich for lunch and a, a, a large fry and you go in there and promise me you'll vote for this person. No matter what, that's when I think of fraud, like that's fraud and I believe it's widespread, but I also believe that there was no chance that this election was gonna be overturned based on that thought. So I was locked in in a longer term proposition of we need to go and this is worth solving but it is not something that is going to overturn the election here in this so, case. And that's where things went sideways. So let, let me stop there. To put a fine point on some of that, I, I think I agree. McCray Dallas is not the only person in the country that's ever attempted that kind of election fraud. Um, it is my belief, and of course there's no exact way to prove it, but I think that you undoubtedly have people like that on both sides of the aisle in different parts of the country. Um, whether it's a wash would be hard to know. Uh, I don't think, in fact, I actually think if you remove the fraud that occurred in that race, Mark Harris probably still won it. And, and in the same way, you know, there are, um, Matthew Ridenauer pointed out a handful of people that voted from addresses in his election this year that those addresses don't exist anymore. I would argue that those people more than likely never updated their voter registration and went in to vote under the old registration. So, I mean, I think there are things where there are logical explanations. I don't have any qualms with us trying to get to the bottom of those logical explanations. There are other things like McCray Dallas where something illegal is being done. Now, the big difference with McCray Dallas and Mark Harris, and, and undoubtedly McCray Dallas and everyone he'd worked with, was that you had a candidate who was coordinating this effort with McCray Dallas. So if someone votes, you know, at an old address they had because they didn't update um, before they before they went in to vote or something, that to me is not really fraud. I think I think you're wrong there. I think you're wrong. I think based on what I know, being friends with Pittenger before it and ha knowing his take on McCray Dallas, who approached them and they didn't, I, I believe where the Harris campaign was wrong. And make no mistake, they were wrong. What happened? They deserved. Um, but the difference is, and I only draw this. Uh, uh, difference because I believe it, it's big. It's part of this bigger picture is it's one thing to actively collude. All right, this guy can do it. All right, bring him up, right? It's another thing to have a pretty good idea what's going on and turn a blind eye. And yeah. that is what I believe the vast majority of the widespread fraud that exists in our system is. It's a bunch of establishment people that turn a blind eye because they know these things happen, but they're like, oh, I have plausible deniability. And meanwhile, there's all these operatives, all these mini McCray Dallas's. It's not some big conspiracy where they're all connected. It's evolved over time, which is 
It goes from, I went to convince you that this is who you should vote to, to the law of numbers and grassroots operatives and activists saying, well, if we give you this or we bring a bus here and bring you here to here, and all of a sudden that has evolved over time to a wide range of what I'd consider fraud. And I think the last point we won't agree on, but you know, this, this is the one, I think everyone probably should be able to agree with that. I don't believe there's something where ballots were lost. Maybe it is, but I certainly don't, don't believe it. I haven't seen anything that shows it. I, I believe this is a, a bottom-up, unconnected thing where the fraud is rampant. It'll take forever to prove, and we have to change our systems to address it. I believe the Democrat mentality and the Democrat party is more skewed towards these practices than the Republicans. I'm not saying Republicans don't do it. Clearly, McCray Dallas is the example. It is but I, done. Well, but I just believe it's example. more of the fabric by which the Democrat grassroots operations I've seen operate. I, We're not going to agree on this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that's, what, what that's based on other than just personal bias. I mean, I, I, I believe there are dishonest people in both parties. Uh, I know there are dishonest people in both parties. So I, I'm, I do agree that that stuff occurs. It's an unfounded opinion to, to your point. It is not based on any data or facts. It's also not illegal for someone to bust people to the polls and encourage them to vote for somebody. It's a big part of the reason why you cannot take a picture of your ballot when you're voting because they don't want circumstances where someone can say, I'll pay you $5. You cannot, you, gotta, you cannot bust those people there and say, and here are your hamburgers for lunch. You cannot no, do you, that. You can't make any sort of a, a agreed upon. Right. But again, it's part of the reason that we are able to vote in private. And it's part of the reason why, you know, McCray Dallas getting a blank, someone's blank ballot or even filled out ballot. And then him being the one to handle it is inappropriate people have the right to secrecy in their voting. And it's why someone could say, here's $5, go in there and vote for Mark Harris, but there'd be no way to prove you voted for Mark Harris. And that's why we don't want people taking pictures of their ballots. Anyway, so the, I think the larger point here is there is undoubted, there are undoubtedly votes that are cast by people at the registered at the wrong address. There's undoubtedly more people than just McCray Dallas in both parties that are, that are taking advantage of certain ways they figure out that they can weasel a couple more votes for whoever they're working for. The point that I think is important in the presidential election is whatever you think of those things that are sprinkled out there, it didn't overturn a millions of vote difference and a, a pretty overwhelming electoral college difference. Joe Biden was elected president. I think the point that is fair is to say you and I had a colleague in 2017 who won his election by 16 votes. And so you can't just say that, well, it doesn't matter because it wouldn't have overturned the presidential election. There are votes that in elections that come down to 16 votes. And so in that case, if you don't get to the bottom of those things and get those things squared away, it could potentially make a difference in something else at a lower level. Um, and theoretically, it could make a difference in the presidential race, but it, it didn't here. So let's move to the next the next topic. Clearly the punchline of the first one, Joe Biden was elected president, okay? And there's fraud, but it's not the kind that I think the, that we see in the mass media being portrayed as, as it. it's something different. And it's it was never going to be something that overturned that election. So we're to agree. Each, each one of these topics gets progressively harder for us here. So the, the ride in the Capitol, I'll, I'll tell you my perspective here, and then let's, let's discuss. This is also somewhat easy for me to say. I don't think this is that controversial. It's never acceptable for people to commit 
political violence. Full stop. That's literally the most simple statement that I can say and that reflects me as a Republican, as a conservative in my beliefs. So I, I, I'll, start, I'll, I'll go further say I deeply condemn the actions of those that were in the Capitol performing this political violence, and there is no excuse for them. There's absolutely no excuse for those activities. Um, I don't think anyone's guilty for the direct actions of others, right? But uh, like if, if ultimately somebody goes and hears Bernie Sanders say a bunch of words uh, and says that, you know, these folks are going to kill us from their approach to Medicare, you cannot then go and kill Steve, Steve, and shoot Steve Scalise and I say it's Bernie Sanders' fault, right? No one's guilty for the direct action of others, but you are responsible for raising that temperature. I mean, that's a pretty simple way of like- hey, you, A quick and important clarification on your condemnation of what occurred at the Capitol. The people that, and I'm not, I mean, there, there is a different group of people who were up there, I think for very unfounded reasons, but they were up there and they, they didn't storm the Capitol. Yeah. The people who ended up in the Capitol, do you believe that they were Donald Trump supporters? I'm not saying Republicans, but like, do you, I mean, though I would assume most of them were, but do you believe they were Donald Trump supporters? Yes. I mean, okay. if there was one that wasn't, like they were severely lost. Right. <laughs> so they, I mean, um, that's, or, but the, but the idea of like two? crisis actors from Antifa or something is, is pretty Absolutely hard to not. follow. Absolutely okay. not. I, I have seen no actual evidence that 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 um that supports that is it okay. possible sure but you're not going to ever see me say i think it's plausible until someone starts showing some actual evidence because everything has been disputed on that front right so hands down if you were there at the capitol right whether it's for good reasons or bad and i believe that donald trump personally has responsibility for increasing that temperature that brought people there, stoking that fire of, of his supporters in a completely unacceptable manner, having them think there was still a viable legal route to solve their grievances. There absolutely wasn't. This is America and allegations like was said on, on uh, by, by um, uh, I don't think it was, uh, who was it uh, that said, if, if mere allegations could stop essentially an election, we would unravel immediately. Right. Allegations must be substantiated by evidence. No matter how much for the last two decades, I thought that McCray Dallas was doing illegal fraudulent stuff until the evidence actually was there and pointed to it. Even though it was true the whole time, it is not something that, that is going to, to su be supported by an outcome. And that Donald Trump is not responsible for a single individual that knocked their, their, their uh, um, um, sticks and, and poles into the windows and broke them or put their leg up on Nancy Pelosi's desk or any of those things. He's not responsible for any of that, but he is responsible for raising that temperature. And in raising that temperature, he should have known better and he should have not tried to lead all the supporters along thinking there was an outcome immediately in this election that could be changed. I, I think that is not acceptable to me. If, if you go to a movie and in a crowded movie theater, you shout fire and there's a stampede out of the theater and someone is trampled and killed, you didn't kill that person, but do you think you're responsible for their death? Um, I believe this has been uh, led, litigated before. I heard somebody talking about this in the last week, this exact example. I don't well, believe it's illegal to say it, but I believe there is some, there's oh, some no, levels I, of exposure. 
No, I think that it is. It's not a good example. It's not a good no, example. It's, I think it's a great example. No, I mean, no. Here, again, you don't fire inside a theater. That, that, no. like, we, because we could parse this out all day. Here's, here's where I, where I fall short on where, where some of the actions are, are happening today. Donald Trump's not responsible for any of the individuals that broke the law and did the dumb things that are 100% condemned. He is responsible for that temperature, for misleading his folks, to have them there. And at the end of the day, there's a process in our country by which he is going to pay the price for that. And I believe he's going to pay a very severe price for that mistake that he made, that unexcusable mistake. And that is, I believe history was going to judge him differently. I believe history was going to look back on this and say, oh, well, he was controversial and he said some things, but they were going to look at some of the results of his term and all of this stuff. And they were really going to kind of say, well, you know, after time passed and, and tempers diffused, he was a, he was a good president. His policies and his impacts made it made an impact. And I, I'm talking about later on, this is a, a Reagan esque kind of component. People at the time, really had massive dislike and, and anger and hatred for Reagan. And we, we judge him today totally different. I believe these single actions. Did people feel about Ronald Reagan the way they felt about Donald Trump? I, I, I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't know. It's been described to me by people who were of adult age at the time that there was there was a mass hatred from him on the liberal side. If there's, anyone who, was pay, if there's anyone who was paying attention during the Reagan years that's watching our live stream, please chime in. Because I can't imagine that the impression that more than half the country had about Ronald Reagan was comparable to the impression. I'm not, listen, let, I'm, I'm giving you an example, not making an exact comparison, right? But my, my broader point isn't that, I, I, I'm saying I believe personally that he was going to be judged differently. And now I believe, it's my gut reaction, it's only my opinion, that actually history is going to is going to look at him in the same, if not worse, light as, as Nixon, as we look at Nixon today, because of that. And now, is that impeachable? No, I do not think it is. Is he responsible for what the individuals did that broke the law and are reprehensible? No, he is not. But he has to bear the burden of, of the historical impact and the fact that he likely will never be elected again because of that act. And that act wasn't inciting um, insurrection right? That act was raising the temperature and leading on his followers to believe there was a viable route in which legally and through our process, through our democracy, that anything other than Joe Biden becoming president was going to be the outcome. And it simply wasn't. It seems like a hair split to me between what he did and inciting insurrection, if they're not the same thing. But I, I think he'd be lucky if history judges him as positively as it judges Nixon. Um, we're going to now disagree or on. before, before Either. all this or now. Either. I mean, I think uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't things he did that someone's going to look back on and say he got that right. I mean, it'd be hard to serve four years and not get something right, and I'm sure he got some things right. But I just, I mean. He, we're going to disagree on where he ranks in historical presidents, regardless of what happened a week ago. I already think he was towards the bottom of the list. I think he's solidified that position in, the, in his final weeks of his presidency. Um, I'm glad that Mike Pence is going to attend the inauguration. Um, I'm not surprised that, that Trump is not enough of a man to do it, but neither here nor there. Done. What was, I, what was point number three? You said this whole conversation was going to take 15 minutes. Yes, it I is. Think we're, 
and we're not even halfway through. Well, look, I, so point number three is now about the double standard, right? That is existing more macro. And I want to make this real clear before I drop into this point. None of this is designed to at all change what I said in points one and two. The election is what it was, and the riot in the Capitol never is violence, political violence acceptable. So like, there's a full stop between that and this broader point of the double standard. And, and I, the reason I bring it up and it's so important in this dialogue is where do we go from here, right? And, and what is the macro problem that, that we need to make sure we don't keep swinging back and forth to extremes where each, each kind of period we're in gets worse and worse. So on the double standard point, I'll start with, with some inflection over the last four years. Have we as a party done enough of a job critiquing Trump when he deserved it? I don't think we have, right? And I personally haven't at all because I don't either critique publicly or show support. I, I purposely for the last four years, you will hardly ever see me enter any debate or discussion just because there's enough people talking about that and I'm focusing on Charlotte, right? But overall, I don't think, I think that that was probably because um, it felt like we were in all out war. And anytime we broke ranks, we as a, the proverbial we, right? We were giving ammo in to another side that was basically having a political ideological uh, war with us. So regardless of why, I'm just trying to give you some psychological angles that could be it or couldn't. I believe we haven't done as good of a job calling the bad things out we don't like paired with the good things that we absolutely love. And with any human being, you have both of those. There's no doubt. But I don't think the Democrats take their folks to task at all, at all, right? And if you look back to the summer and you apply the same, again, my whole thing is about consistency, a single standard. And when it works for me, it's great. It's fun. When it doesn't, I got to kind of suck it up, take my medicine, but do it nonetheless. So I maintain my consistent integrity on that front. So over the summer, when you look at that, you know, people were protesting violence to people of color, a noble cause. Like I was, I, I think the same 95% of America that condemns what's going on and what happened in the Capitol is the same 95% that probably believes that was a noble cause as well. Right. But was the law broken? Absolutely. It was broken. By, I got I to make sure this- I'm going to help you out there because you said as well, what happened at the Capitol was not a noble cause. So uh, make sure that <laughs> you didn't mean to say as well there. Well, I mean, uh, so, well, that parses a whole nother discussion of what is a noble cause in an individual who wants to protest something in their own mind? Well, Whether the big, they were led I mean, astray or not, it's not their fault. They're, I, the, I can't, they're there nobly. I can't, I, can't, I can't say that you're wrong that Democrats don't call out the mistakes of their own that is true. Neither party does a good job at calling out the bad people in their party or the, the mistakes that their party makes or anything about their party because they don't want to give an inch to the other team. So that is absolutely true. The, the core differences between what happened last week and what happened this summer is, the, is, is what caused those protests. One was a man was murdered by a police officer and it was caught on camera. The other was a psychopath was telling people, was lying to people and saying that an election was stolen from him, which he'd been predicting was going to happen, that he said it was going to happen. He wouldn't accept that he lost. And first of all, there weren't enough brave Republicans to say, this is BS, this is not true, until it was too late. 
but also you had people coming there wanting to overthrow an election. They're just, they were not caused by the same level of thing. One was, was, so, so, was now well, you're parsing frankly, out one your, was true your opinion. And one wasn't. Here's the easier, because that's the angle that the, the attack side of saying, well, this is different than that. Here's a simple way for me to frame the question, right? And you've heard me say this once because Braxton, who's watching, was, was there. And I asked him this exact same question, right? And I'll say it again to you to, to address. What is the difference in these parallels from the summer to the Capitol protest? Just the, the difference between them and a double versus a single standard. What's the difference between a person who was noble in, in their intents and showed up to peacefully protest as part of their democratic ability for the Black Lives Matter movement, for police um, um, unnecessary violence, for whatever it was over the summer, and they were lawful and they were there, which is what the claims were made then. And someone who did the exact same thing in the Capitol didn't break in the building. They were there, whether they were led astray or not by, by leadership is a different question. I'm not, what, so hold on, let me finish, let me finish. What's the difference between those two parties? What's the difference between the person or the 10 people or whatever that in the Capitol then decided to go down and barge into the Capitol? steal stuff, break stuff, whatever. What's the difference between them and the people who were in that peaceful protest and decided to freeze bottles of water and throw them at police officers or incendiary devices or throw um, chemicals on them or all those things? And what's the difference between, at the end of the day, what you're saying Trump did to increase the, the temperature in the room and all that stuff. And at the time, what Chris Cuomo of CNN did, which he says, was show me where it says protesters are supposed to be polite and peaceful, because I can show you that outraged citizens have made America what she is and led to any major milestone. What I'm not saying any one of those are right or wrong in their own nature. What I'm saying is, what is this double standard by which we didn't hear any negatives from the mainstream media or leadership or anyone in this over the summer where 700 officers were injured, 23 people were shot and killed, 150 federal buildings were damaged. What Democrats and what the media said at that time was, this is what democracy looks like. And when Republicans do it, and that was done, and that was bad, Trump supporters, right? Whether they were led astray or not, what's the difference between those three categories where that's riots and insurrection? For one, I don't have any real problem with someone who went up to D.C. last week to hear Trump's speech and to just shout, you know, angrily that they feel like the election was stolen. I think they were very misled, but that's their right to do that. They absolutely have a right to do that. So there is a huge line in the sand here between violence and destruction and protest. And so it doesn't have to be polite, I think is the word Cuomo you, you say used. It doesn't need to be polite. It can be as angry as it wants to be. It crosses the line when it when it gets to violence and destruction. So I'm not I'm not focused on the people who went to Washington and just listened to a speech and like yelled about a stolen election. Have at it. That's but you, again, man. Your entire side of the article, our uh, aisle, and the mainstream media are literally taking an approach of lumping every conservative into this for political um, purposes in winning this and not healing the nation and bring it back. You can say that, but that's not what's happening right now. And there absolutely were people, I'm one of them, who despite my support of the cause of the protest this summer, did not 
stand by and say that it was okay if, if any of that was turning into violence or destruction. Now, there will be people who will disagree with me and say, you know, destruction of property is, is acceptable in certain circumstances. I, I don't think that those are. Now, there is an, also a material difference because if someone threw a brick through an unoccupied business on Tryon Street, that's not okay. Again, I'm making very clear that I'm not comfortable with that. It's different than storming an occupied building where Congress is meeting and going into their offices and putting at risk all of the people that work in that building. So again, a brick through a window in an unoccupied building versus storming an occupied building is also different. You only and know that because that's all the mainstream media has shown over the last week or two, right? That 150 federal buildings were damaged over the summer. You just never heard about any of it. Most of it was stuff being thrown through them at night. And again, I'm not okay with that. It's not the same as storming the Capitol during a session of Congress. Braxton, who I love, continues to bring up this angle, which is another big problem I have of systemic white supremacy. That's the problem. That's the difference. I'm sure he's itching to literally fight and debate me right now as hard as he can. I love him to death. But the bottom line is, I'm just going to read the definition of whataboutism. Whataboutism is the technique or practice of responding to an accusation or a difficult question by making a counter accusation or raising a different issue. That is the liberal term they've thrown at us That's all year. That's what you're here. doing right now. That literally saying, I've, I have disowned that the election was fraudulent. I have condemned every single person that participated in it. And now I'm only saying, hey, that doesn't mean all conservatives need to be thrown under that bus. That doesn't mean every person that went up there to protest, whether they were led astray or not, wasn't. So what's the problem? I I'm agree. simply calling I agree out the double things. standard, and that's white supremacy now. And that is a problem, because that is political intimidation for an ideological warfare. That's literally all it is. I, I agree that not everyone should be equally condemned for being in Washington last week. People who were destructive and violent and stormed the Capitol should be condemned. And they are not on the same, they're not in the same stratosphere as people who were protesting and breaking windows this summer. I don't necessarily expect you to agree with that statement, but there is, there is not a logical comparison between those two things. And again, I'm expressing discomfort with destruction or violence for any cause, Yeah, but they are not the same. Before anyone goes back and says, it sound bites me and says, see, he's just part of it too. That's why I wanted to do it in this format, Larkin, because we could have a whole discussion that started on a solid foundation of this was all a, a conspiracy to begin with, that there was a viable path to, to having a different outcome other than Joe Biden won this election. And the people there I condemn who did those actions to the complete and absolute uh, hundredth degree possible. This is now about other things that I think have to be put into context, but in no way does that diminish those other parts. And anyone who tries to conflate or bring those two parts together or attack because of that, they're simply doing what literally is, is, is going to bring us into a death spiral as a nation, which is using a terrible incident that shouldn't be right and isn't right in the eyes of almost anybody and trying to use it for political gain. And that is what is un unacceptable. I, equally absurd is that you thought we were gonna have all four parts of this conversation in 15 minutes. It's fine, minutes, we can be done now with it now. Getting to the fourth part, which the is, fourth the, part is, is the big tech. The and big I actually tech. think we're gonna agree more on this um, 
because I have expressed to and 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 have found Democrats that have agreed with me. I've expressed some discomfort with some of the decisions that have been made around um, censorship and basically blackballing Parler. I mean, I think Parler is. I've never been on it, but I have to assume it's it's just a dumpster fire. But it's, it's, if someone, it's, if someone it's who believes the same in free, thing as Twitter or Facebook. It's literally it's, the same thing. But as someone who believes in free speech, I've got a certain level of discomfort with basically just xing all these things out. Um, now, if they're being used to to organize violence, if they're being used primarily for hate speech, I think they have got to regulate themselves if they don't expect to be regulated from outside. Um, they have to shut down things that are dangerous. But um, but I, I, I don't know. To me, it's a bridge too far and it's a very slippery slope to just say, we're going to erase your your presence uh, in the, in an online space. And so I... And I've, I've found more people than I thought I would that have agreed to some some level or another with that. Um, and I'm sure you, you, you no, didn't I, like listen, me either, I, I'm guessing. I, I think a lot of the problems that exist in this world we live in today are because of social media. But I also have a have a challenge because I believe in the free market completely, right? I, and, and I also believe the free market requires some levels of control, some levels of regulation. And I'm just of the political mindset that we minimize that as much as possible while maximizing the outcome we desire, right? That is how the system operates at its best. My, my, I think we're just, it is, we are heading down this incredibly slippery slope where we are, we are whether it's the, the conversation we just had or this, at the end of the day, we pick and choose the things that align that we want that align with our ideology and support those. And then we're against the other things. And that is literally why the double standard exists. And everyone that's dangerous from a political perspective and the temperature of the country, but it's super dangerous when we empower the people that have the ability to censor us and decide what free speech is allowable or not. Because today it might be harming per one person on one side of the aisle, tomorrow could very easily be the same. Um, and and we so we've got to stop that double standard. But people do need to be diligent about regulating things that are, are dangerous on these platforms. So I don't have a ton of sympathy, but I do have some discomfort with some of those decisions. That's enough about that. Uh, Ken just weighed in, and I agree with him. National politics is not what R&D and the QC is about. We, we led into this conversation admitting that this is not our core competency, uh, but it's an issue that I think was too big to not address. We will finish the episode hopefully quickly because my food is now getting cold at the front door. Um, nice. Some I ordered some roasting company and it's now going to be cold roasting Braxton, company. Braxton, I will have a debate with you on do I believe in the free market or not later because the double standards that exist there in that statement you're making, um, whether it's uh, should, the, should Facebook and Twitter be able to censor or right, not. We were done with that topic. Should, they, should Amazon be able to get rid of Parler or not? Should these businesses right now that can't open because they've been told not to, should they be allowed to do whatever they want or not? Should a business that wants to or doesn't want to make a cake for someone do it or not? You can't pick and choose the topics you like and say, well, that's the free market I appreciate and the other. Sometimes we're going to hate the thing. Sometimes we're going to love the thing. You, The, the whole purpose is the free market Moving is a wave. On. You can't, you can't on. fight it. You figure out how to ride it. Now I don't even feel like we're not going to do justice to the 
retreat. That might need to be another episode. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but I do think we have to address the fact. So we, we did have a two-day strategy retreat. Uh, I said I, I don't think it was a, as effective being um, here as, as when we're able to get away and we're able to spend time with our legislative delegation. But um, I think we actually should address that maybe with another episode. So I think we need to talk about in the next episode, which let's make a commitment to do it next week, if possible. We need to talk about Charlotte Moves. We need to talk about the arts conversation that we had. I the think legacy those are commission, huge, huge items. The legacy commission, the governance uh, work that's being done. So actually that does need, that can be its own episode because that's what we spent the lion's share of time yeah. talking about. We'll do that um, next week. Yes, commitment. Uh, we, could, we could do it on, on Monday or Tuesday. So we, we do have to acknowledge um, when we started off Monday morning at like 8 a.m., um, this was not entirely unexpected, but I think the timing was unexpected. Um, I'm sure everybody saw that our colleague, James Smudgy Mitchell, had an opportunity to become an owner-operator of uh, RJ Leaper Construction um, through a group called Bright Hope capital, which is involves Hugh McCall and uh, Malcolm Coley and other uh, big titans of industry in Charlotte. So incredible professional opportunity for, for Smudgy. He had worked for J.E. Dunn, a construction company here in Charlotte that does a lot of work. Um, but he was a, like a manager there. Here he's going to be an owner. Um, there were questions raised and ultimately it was identified that as an owner of that company, um, he will own 25% and the threshold is 10% his company would not have been able to do work with the city. Um, not, it's not just a matter of recusing himself from votes. Uh, they could not have entered into any contracts with the city. That's a, a decent portion of their business. So he made the decision. And I don't know if, I don't think you knew, I certainly didn't know. Um, I had anticipated that, that he might decide not to run again or that he might um, step down in a couple of months, but he has stepped into this new role and I guess decided that they needed to go ahead and rip the bandaid off on this. He announced us at 8 a.m. Monday morning uh, that effective 5 p.m. on Monday afternoon, he would be resigning from the city council. Um, and I think, I think again, only a couple people found out, like the, maybe the manager, mayor, tops on Saturday. And then the yeah. rest of us, from what I've heard, and the rest of us found out on Monday. So I think it was something that happened very quickly. So James has been on council since 1999, with the exception of the 2013 to 2015 um, term because he ran for mayor um, in a race that featured him, Patrick Cannon, and Edwin Peacock. Uh, he lost, obviously, in the primary to Patrick Cannon, uh, who went on to become mayor, who went on to go to prison, and all of that. So uh, besides that two-year term, James has been on council for 22 years. So this is, this is not a small thing. Um, this is not as insignificant as if Tarek or I were to not run again or, or to leave. And now we've got. Well, it'd be uh, a big deal if you left. Well, not not smudgy big. Who would, um, who would who would make all the stupid jokes and coordinate the great council meals we eat? Well, you wouldn't be any good at the meals part, but the stupid jokes you've got under control. Do. Um, do. So on Tuesday, so what are we today? Today's Thursday. On Tuesday, it seems uh, the application window will open. Anybody who is a registered Democrat, because he was a Democrat, they have to be. Uh, you have to be 21 years old, which I'm not sure I actually knew that. I thought it was 18 but it's 21 yeah. and you have to live obviously in the city of Charlotte can apply on the city website anytime between Tuesday and the following Tuesday, there'll be a one week period. Um, and then I think a week or two later, um, they'll have an opportunity to address council and we'll decide who will finish Smudgy's term. But uh, 
when I did this to finish Patsy Kinsey's term, when she became mayor after Anthony Fox went to be in Obama's cabinet, um, there were 11 of us just for a district seat. And obviously I had to live in that district. I'm expecting there to be 40, 50, maybe more people that put their name in the hat for this seat. So it is going to be um, quite a cluster. Yes. Let me start with Smudgy. Uh, I'll tell you, one, anyone who serves their community um, is, uh, we're all indebted to. That is something that is, is getting, gotten harder and harder over the years. So it's something where I think we all, no matter who you are, show respect for that. He's, he's worked hard. He's done a lot of things. And his passion for economic development um, has been nothing short of uh, record-breaking. I mean, there's I, I no bigger the, cheer. There's no bigger cheerleader for Charlotte than James Mitchell. No chance. And he's a hard worker for, for these topics that he has taken on and become synonymous with, honestly, for years now. Um, chairing the Economic Development Committee and all of those things. And, and I'll just say, um, he's a fun guy. He's a quality, like fun guy to be around. He's super Always nice, positive. positive. Yeah. And, um, and, and the, the final thing I'll say is, uh, I, I, this is my hunch. I'm not sure, but knowing him as I've gotten to know him, my assumption and why this all happened so quickly and we didn't have a lot of heads up, I, I think this was a very, very hard decision for him. I don't think he wanted to leave 20 years, right? I mean, you might say I, I'd do anything for 20 years and I'd be done with it. I think he truly loved service. He truly loved the economic development impacts he was able to make. And I think at the end of the day, um, he went down this path with this great opportunity with RJ Leeper and, and, his, and, and the ownership position he's taken. And he was assuming and planning on doing both. And he was going to, as, as the issues came up, he said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll Put controls in place and i'll have my vice president handle the city business and but i think wasn't an option under the it, rules it just, it just wasn't an option and i and I, I i have to give him credit right now um for 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 what i knew how important this is to him and i don't think he wanted to leave it all to make that tough decision i mean he very easily could have said you know what i'm gonna battle it and i'm gonna try to hang on and see how it goes he very quickly, when that came to a head, made the call. And, um, and for that, I, I think we, we, uh, we need to recognize that tough decision and right decision that he made. But his, his positive energy will definitely be missed on the council. Um, he was, he's always in a good mood, no matter what. And but who are uh, you betting on? Oh, I don't have any idea. Um, I, I literally think there's going to be 40, 50 more or more people. And I think two dozen of them could be viable or in the mix so has to uh, be a democrat my, has to be a democrat 21 years old live in the city of charlotte that is the only those are the only three requirements i'll tell uh, you who i wanted to be just because i miss him i miss his jokes <laughs> i miss his, his his words greg phipps bring phipps back i think phipps has found a much better opportunity um than having to deal with us again who, who are the odds on favorites right now I mean, you're I keeping think, a closer eye on this than me. Yeah, I don't think we'll be able to uh, to handicap the race until until we actually get the applications. In. You don't want to say of, any names. Look at you. I, I don't. I don't want to say any names. <laughs> this thing's going to get sticky. I mean, there there are 10 people already that I, A, think would be great at the job, and B, I've known for a long time and very close to that have already mentioned to me their interest. So this is going to put all of us in a tough spot because there's going to be – I think it's going to be Ray McKinnon. Let me, let me go out. He doesn't live in the city of now. Charlotte. So it's not. It's definitely going to be Ray. He'd have to move. Ray, you have to move now. So um, no, I I uh, I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a mess. 
It is. I think it's going to be a big mess. It is. You know, what's right, so yeah, go ahead. Your food. No, you I, your I food. was going to put a bow on it and say, well, we're going to come back. We promised Monday or Tuesday we're going to do episode 109 with all of the policy stuff. We're going to unpack all that, get back to our roots, local issues. We're very sorry, Ken. I know this was not what you come to R&D and the QC for. Yes. Um, yeah, sorry. We typically don't raise the volume that much. We typically don't talk federal that much. Um, but we decided we wanted to address it. We'll, we'll get back to business next week. You promise? Yeah, I don't want to talk about federal stuff anymore. Yeah, let's I don't either. That was it. I really, I really was there's gonna... not. Let's hope there's not a Washington, D.C. news story between now and Monday or Tuesday because oh. it couldn't possibly be good. Indeed. Indeed. So, um, so my food is now completely cold. I'm going to go reheat it and enjoy my dinner and watch the Hornets who I might add every, I see you got your Hornets hat on. Everyone should be tuning into the Hornets. This is the most fun team they've had in a long time. Lamelo ball, Gordon Hayward, Rozier, Graham. These guys are a blast to watch. Uh, and they're winning. Are you still games. mad at his dad or, or have you, you, I you still guys... do not like his dad, but I always liked Lamelo. And this kid seems to be having so much fun out there, and his teammates seem to love him. I'm a big Lamelo fan, still not a uh, Lavar fan, but it is what it is. What is uh? By the way, I'm sorry. One final point, you don't have to answer it. Did you see um, um, uh, what's her name? Um, her video, the presidential video, kind of vibe from Colette Forrest video. No. You didn't see Colette Forrest's video? No, but send it to oh, me. Oh my gosh, on Facebook. I, I just randomly, I don't go on Facebook hardly at all anymore, but I was on there the other day and this thing popped up and she's sitting beside like a bookcase. She's, she, you know, and, she, uh, and she's talking about smudgy and she's talking about this, uh, her opinion on this stuff. Let me tell you, it is- uh, All right, I'll go watch it. It's interesting. I can't believe you didn't see that. That's amazing. Go take a look, and I'll be interested to All see right. what you think. All right. Sorry for the long layoff, uh, but make sure that you like the Facebook page, that you like and subscribe to the podcast, you rate the podcast, whatever you can do. Help spread the word. We will promise we will be back next week to talk local politics and yes. local politics only. Uh, we, we certainly hope. Uh, but we appreciate you all joining us, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.